0: I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey, everybody, how's it going? Happy Friday, and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min football family. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon, and on at this edition of the show, We're going to talk, of course, Declan Rice. We're going to talk Yuri and Timber. We're going to talk Kai Havertz. We're going to bring you the latest on Thomas Partey as well. Lots and lots to get into. We're also going to take lots of your questions and thoughts uh, from the live chat box too. So, um, yeah, should be cool. Should be good. Should be interesting. Um, I mean, where to begin on today's show? I mean, we could begin by everybody smashing the like button. That very much does help. Uh, If you're not subscribed to the channel, what are you waiting for? Subscribe. We're just over two and a half thousand subscribers away from the 30K mark on YouTube. So we are getting there slowly but surely. Uh, We've picked up a lot of subscribers over the last week. So a big thank you uh, to everybody that has subscribed and a big welcome, of course, to everybody that's new in town here. I hope you're enjoying the content. I hope you continue to enjoy the content as well. Okay, so um, where do we begin? Where do we begin with this whole Declan Rice saga? Where do we begin with this whole entire thing? Because I think a lot of us, having heard the news or the reports that we did yesterday, were hoping that today David Ornstein would tell us one way or the other, really, what was going on. That he'd either come out and say Arsenal have lodged the third bid, which means Arsenal is serious, and which means that Manchester City haven't done any deal because otherwise what would be the point in Arsenal bidding if they were told that no City have matched the price that West Ham are asking for and and Declan Rice has decided he wants to go there. So we were hoping for one of two tweets or or we were hoping for a tweet. We were hoping for the tweet that said Arsenal have lodged that third bid to give us confidence that the Gunners are still in pole position to do this deal and that we can plough forward with it. Or we were expecting a tweet that was going to say Manchester City's official bid for Declan Rice has gone in. Now, I am well aware that things can change very, very quickly in this transfer window. I am well aware that there's a great chance, actually, that by the time we finish this podcast and by the time it is out to the wider audience, not just those uh, watching us or listening to us live, David Ornstein might have dropped that bomb one way or the other. So I am conscious when I do these shows at the moment, that they can become out of date very, very quickly. That's a little bit frustrating when you put time and effort into them, but I'd much rather it go straight out of date if if we get that positive bit of news come through. Lots of people have uh, sort of pivoted a little bit from what the kind of general narrative was yesterday, which was that Manchester City were preparing that bid, that that bid was imminent, there were details of that bid put out into the ether as well. We heard that it was 75 over a couple of years, plus 15 million in add-ons, which equates to the same total amount that Arsenal were said to be putting on the table. Um, But obviously the payment structure was very different based on what we're hearing. And and so that was going to be the deal breaker. That was going to be the thing that convinced West Ham United to go with Manchester City over us but as i say i woke up this morning expecting even if it wasn't the news i wanted to hear that that bid had gone in formally etc cetera, etc cetera. and at the time of recording at 6:25 p.m. on friday the 23rd of june there has been no confirmation from the usual suspects that that bid has actually officially gone in gianluca Di Marzio, who put out the suggestion yesterday that Manchester City were were right back in the race or that Manchester City's interest was concrete and that they were going to move forward with things has said today that Man City are in advance talks with West Ham to sign Declan Rice and that Manchester City were willing to anticipate Arsenal. I think what he meant there was that they'd be willing to kind of match Arsenal or or they were anticipating another offer from Arsenal maybe I don't know I'm not quite sure I think that got lost in translation a little bit but although I was a bit skeptical to believe that from DiMazio yesterday when he said that the bid was coming it was then corroborated and followed up shortly afterwards by David Ornstein now although I've said that I spent most of the day waiting for David Ornstein to put out a tweet today if the tweet is going to tell me that Manchester City have progressed this and have gone forward with this, then I don't want to see it. I'd rather just not see it. But what I will say is, you know, we need an end to this drama, man. Like, I just don't think as a fan base we're uh, we're sort of mature enough or, and and I include myself in that as well, or sort of calm enough, cool-headed enough to be able to take this kind of thing. Because if you read some of the drivel that is online at the moment, you will want to smash your head against the wall. Normally, during the transfer window, I find Twitter fascinating. I really, really do, because you get stories there sometimes before anywhere else. You get, um, you get opinion on players from people that specialise in, in particular leagues or, or particular clubs. And it's great to be able to put all those pieces together. But what I've noticed this summer, perhaps more than any summer before, Is the number of accounts pretending that they know what's going on behind the scenes with regards to some of these big value, high value, big money deals like it's it's mental. Like the amount of times I go through Twitter and I see uh, somebody with a random account go exclusive and then they just put some information. Like, what is it? Is everybody guessing so that when something happens, they can retweet their tweet and go, I told you. And I said it first, even before David Ornstein come on come on it's that classic my sister's boyfriend's cousin's stepdad's uncle works at the training ground and told me this this and this it's mental and, and honestly for the good of your own sanity and for your mental health stay away from so much of that because a lot of it is really uh, really bad and and really really um draining as well um So, look, when it comes to what DiMazio said earlier, which kind of was a repetition of the same thing that he said yesterday, basically, um, I I, I don't want to shit on him, and I don't want to say that, you know, what he's saying isn't true, but I'm just, it took David Ornstein to come out with it yesterday for me to fully believe it. And so I've got to apply the same kind of logic here today, because I think if Manchester City had made this bid, at the time of recording, obviously, and had progressed in this and had moved past us in this negotiation or had somehow managed to to persuade Declan Rice to almost forget about the Arsenal move. I think everybody would have been desperate to tell us about that, wouldn't they? But look, most of the reports that have done the rounds today off the back of the bombshell that was dropped yesterday have suggested that Arsenal remain confident, that Arsenal are still Declan Rice's preference and that this isn't over yet by any stretch of the imagination. So that's something to to grab onto and to hold onto and to latch onto. That's encouraging at the very, very least. But of course, I think people are very much in the position now where they want to hear something more. Um, They want to hear, you know, they, yeah, they, they want that confirmation. They want to know that Arsenal haven't just wilted under the pressure of Manchester City. Dave Atkinson says in the chat, if Rice wants to come to us, then all we have to do is match Manchester City's bid. Correct. The problem that Arsenal have got, and I was explaining this on TalkSport yesterday, um, was that actually there is a difference, right? So although people say, well, we just match Man City's bid, and... You know, if, you know, the the valuations of the two bids are the same, the offers are the same. So what's the problem in terms of their overall monetary value? The problem Arsenal have is that I don't think Arsenal can afford to pay the entire amount up front. I think City are much more likely to be able to do that. It's almost as if that because we spent a bit of money in the last couple of summers, people have forgotten I don't want to say forgotten who our owners are because that's unfair because they've actually done a very good job over the last two, three seasons. But it's almost as though they've forgotten the way our club operates. So we don't do this, right? The Nicolas Pepe deal, from what I understand, I don't even think we've paid all of it yet. Arsenal like to do and prefer to do, and probably because they have to do, big mega money deals like that in installments. Even the Kai Havertz deal. It's not all money up front. okay? there's a guaranteed fee of around about 60 odd million, according to some of the reports. But believe me, that is not all going to be paid in one lump sum. So when people say, why did we sign Havertz then if we don't have that extra bit of money to go on and get Declan Rice? That's got nothing to do with it because what Arsenal is seeking to do here is, is place deposits on people, essentially, bring them in through the door and pay for them over a period of time. What Arsenal are doing is gambling here that these signings are going to be successful. And off the back of that, they will generate more revenue. Fingers crossed if all goes to plan and therefore they'll be able to continue making those payments. The idea was to do all the heavy lifting with regards to the turnaround of the squad in the last couple of seasons, which we feel we've done the majority of. And now it's to be creative and find ways whereby we can compete with state-run clubs and all the rest of it for the biggest players. But that means that you're going to have to find ways of doing these deals that work within your structure. And unfortunately, and people don't like me saying this, Arsenal don't have £75 million in cash to be able to go to Manchester City and hand over, hence why they're spreading the payments. Now, maybe Arsenal could do more and Arsenal could do better in terms of the arrangement with regards to how long they're going to be paying this over. Maybe, you know, doing it over three years would be more reasonable than the four or five that we've heard get being talked about. All of that I get. But as I said on TalkSport last night, I do feel like Arsenal have looked at this and, and, and sort of looked at the player, identified what he would bring to the team, uh, very keen, obviously, to get him in. And rather than sort of worrying too much about the installments it's more like if we can convince the player that we're the club that he wants then eventually West Ham will accept our payment structure because they'll still get their money and ultimately they will probably want to facilitate whichever move it is that Declan Rice Is is most interested in. And I know people say West Ham are being horrible and this and that. Listen, West Ham are playing a game, and I don't blame them. You know, I would do exactly the same thing if I was David Sullivan. This is the position that they find themselves in, and it's a position from which they need to take advantage because this isn't going to come along every five minutes for West Ham. West Ham, when was the last time West Ham had a player of this level who was this sought after? I can't remember. So, you know, West Ham don't get the opportunity to raise close to £100 million off of one of their players very, very often. So they're going to want to make sure that they do this properly. They always wanted the bidding more. They always wanted to drag more parties in. They always wanted this to go the distance because they know that the longer it goes and the more desperate the clubs uh, get to take him, then the more likely they are to pay over the odds. I already think they're paying over the odds. I keep saying that. I already think they're paying over the odds. But you know they're trying to force the issue. Let me let me rephrase that. They're not trying to force a quick resolution what they're trying to do is squeeze as much out of whoever it is that takes Declan Rice on as possible. And they know how much we want him. They know that he's our priority target and so they are going to try and make this Um, work in their favour as much as possible. So look, the truth is, we don't know at the time of recording whether that Manchester City official bid has gone in. What I will say is at this point, and again, I know this can change within five minutes, we don't know that it has. Um, So we've got to be mindful and wary of that. We also hear and read and all the rest of it that Declan Rice still wants Arsenal. There was a report actually as well this morning that said, actually from a Manchester City perspective, they were evaluating the squad and evaluating their options to work out whether or not Declan Rice would be the right fit, a good fit, and whether or not he was worth committing 90 plus million pounds to. Maybe that's what the delay is or the holdup is in Manchester City lodging this bid that everybody keeps telling me is coming. I don't know. I really don't know. But anyway, the update is nothing because we don't know anything at this moment in time. Gianluca Di Marzio's tweet around about three, four hours ago, I think, set a lot of wheels in motion again and got people wound up and frustrated again. And I saw a lot of that same old conversation going around on on social media off the back of that. But again, it's got to, you know, it's we're not seeing... Um, any further evidence of that and actually when you read what he said and you you break it down it's it's pretty much um the same thing that he said yesterday I guess so no real update um i do want to get uh there was an update uh from a west ham perspective what was said to be an update uh from that account i'm sure you guys have seen it x west ham united employee have you ever seen that Does a podcast nobody knows his identity former West Ham employee, apparently, but he basically said, "Um, we put this out at. How was it? It was earlier today, basically. Um, This was on a Patreon account, so it was locked so people couldn't read this uh, unless they were subscribed. But somebody obviously screen grabbed it and put it on Twitter. And he said, and he's normally quite good, As of about 3pm, we had it confirmed that there was still no first bid registered from Manchester City or a third bid from Arsenal. The club are awaiting these bids. It is still thought that the player prefers a move to Arsenal over the two. But of course, Arsenal have to get their bid accepted to make that an option. At the moment, the only club who have officially registered a bid are Arsenal and they have submitted two. There has been informal discussions with other clubs, but until these turn into concrete offers, they do not mean anything. Of course, this can all change with one email or phone call, so we will keep our ear to the ground and let you know if it changes. But even from a West Ham side, at this moment in time, they don't believe that Manchester City have submitted that bid. That could be because they're not as interested as as people are suggesting, which would be great fucking news. or It could be that they haven't got around to it yet or that they're engaging in conversations with West Ham United to find out exactly what it's going to take because City don't mess around so that they can put their package together, go offer it and get this done nice and quickly. We're going to have to wait and see how this all plays out. But that was the update from the kind of West Ham side a little bit earlier on today. Uh, Big hello to Graham. He says uh, David Sullivan didn't get where he is today by not recognizing a winning situation. He would be mad not to sit tight and watch the price go up. We need to understand that Man City will win this. I mean, I think they could win this. Of course I do, because they're Manchester City and they've got an incredible football team. They, they've just won the treble. They've got the best manager in my opinion in world football some of the best players in world football you could understand why someone would want to go there but the more I think about this and the more I sort of go over it with people and go back and forth on it and like the more I think that if I were Declan Rice I know that it's it's a guarantee pretty much if you go there that you're gonna um you know you're gonna win trophies you're gonna win silverware etc etc do you want to be just another number? Because that's what it feels like you would be at Manchester City. One of the things I think about Pep Guardiola's side is as great as they are, and they really, really are, you know, with the exception of of Lionel Messi, in the past when he was at Barcelona and and some of the really great players, the outlayers, the Xavis, the, you know, the Ronaldinho's, all of that, there there wasn't really, um, you know, the rest of the team just came across as a bit of a machine. And so to stand out in a Pep Guardiola side and be the main man, you have to be like really, really exceptional because you're surrounded by class. Now I know people say, well, if he's got any ambition, he'll go there and he'll win everything. And I get that. But I just think Arsenal's a club with a soul, man. Arsenal's a club where you could become a legend. And, and if, if Declan Rice, despite Manchester City's interest, if, of course, it is genuine. If Declan Rice turned around and picked Arsenal, what a win that would be for our football club. That would be huge, wouldn't it? And that would almost announce our arrival back at the top table. I think last season went a long way in in sort of helping with that. But that would really announce our arrival back at the table with the elite of English football and of European football in turn. So, yeah, let's see. Um, let's see. Uh, Stu says, are you on crack? Abidal, Iniesta, Alves, Puyol, Busquets, Pedro, Villa. He's coming up with all these players. Yeah, but all anybody ever spoke about was Lionel Messi in that team. And before, a little bit earlier on when Lionel Messi was just that bit younger, everybody was talking about Ronaldinho. So what I'm trying to say is that, yeah, they're full of stars because that's what the best teams have. They they have a team packed full of stars. But Declan Rice ain't of the quality of Xavi or Iniesta or Busquets at his peak. I think if anybody's, uh, I'm not going to say it because um, somebody said they're watching with their family, but if anybody's uh, lost it a little bit there, should we put it that way? I think it's it's someone that compares Declan Rice with Xavi, Iniesta and Busquets. Not where, nowhere near that level. I do think hundred million pounds is too much. We spoke about it yesterday. I really do. That's what the market demands these days. So if we want him, we've got to go and get him. O'Malley says he could be. He is very Busquets-esque. Come on, man. Uh, like, he's got to go a long, long way to to have a career like Sergio Busquets. He's not there yet. He really isn't. And um, there's no guarantee he will get there. He is a, a good player, one that I'd love to see come to Arsenal. But when you're talking Busquets, Xavi and Iniesta, you're talking about probably the best midfielder full time. Oh, come on, I think it's premature to put Declan Rice in that same bracket. But anyway, that's just my view. Okay, um, let's bring you a couple of other updates because, as I say, there isn't anything, um, there isn't anything else to really add to the Declan Rice thing that we haven't said already. Uh, we're going to take questions in around about ten minutes' time, so keep a hold of those if you've got them. Um, drop them in the chat when I let you know so that I don't lose them, et cetera, et cetera. But there isn't really much more to add on the Declan Rice thing. We're all sitting here now. We're all waiting. We're all hoping for a bit of positive news. And uh, fingers crossed we get that sooner rather than later. Um and if it's bad news, then let's get it sooner rather than later and we can just move on. Right, Yuri and Timber, of course, another player linked with a move to Arsenal this summer. That is looking Quite positive. Um, I was going to say more positive than Rice, but we've made a second bid with Rice. We haven't yet made a second bid uh, for Yuri and Timber. Uh, but it's understood that that bid is being prepared by the club and is imminent. Um, no release clause in, um, in Yuri and Timber's contract, despite some reports suggesting that that was the case earlier on today. But it is understood that a deal could be done between 40 and 50 million euros. Uh, which is kind of in the middle point between where Arsenal started, which was 30 million euros, and where, of course, um, Ajax want to be, which is around about 60 odd million euros. So, um, yeah, fingers crossed we can get that deal done, but it does seem like Arsenal are working on that. Um, there have been suggestions that Arsenal won't make a bid again until they get the Declan Rice thing wrapped up. If you go back a couple of weeks, all everybody was saying was Arsenal are only focused on Declan Rice right now. They're not going to do anything else until they get that deal done. That is the the sort of main priority. And whilst it might be the priority, we've seen that it isn't going to stop us trying to do other business in the um, in the sort of interim. You know, we've already done the Kai Havertz thing. A couple of bids gone in. Eventually got what we wanted, um, which was a, a price tag at a lower point than the 75 million that Chelsea had initially asked for. Um, So we, we got, I guess that that is a positive. You you could package it up like that, uh, I guess, but, We've we've moved forward on that. We made an initial offer for Yuri and Timber. So why wouldn't we follow it up with the second one? That just doesn't make sense to me. Um, But yeah, anyway, that's the latest on Yuri and Timber. We're waiting for that second bid to go in. And I think there's a confidence that this deal can be done. But also there was a confidence that a Declan Rice deal could be done 24 hours ago, 48 hours ago. Now we're in a position where we're all sort of treading on eggshells. Uh, with regards to this one. We've also heard today that Kai Havertz's medical could take place as as soon as this weekend uh, abroad, because Arsenal want to get this wrapped up and done nice and early. Uh, So we'll have to um, keep an eye on that. I'm sure we'll get an update as and when uh, there is one. Uh, And the other thing I wanted to talk about before we head over to the questions is Thomas Partey, because we heard yesterday that Juve were interested in Thomas Partey, that they'd be willing to pay between 18 and 20 million euros for him. But we've also heard today of some mega, mega offers uh, coming from uh, Saudi Arabia for the Ghanaian. Now, I read one report, which was from somebody I I didn't recognize, a journalist who I didn't recognize, um, who was claiming that it was as much as 100 million a year that Thomas Partey was going to get. That sounds a bit Far fetched to me, but what has also been reported by James Benj is that Al Nasser are willing to bid 30 million euros for Thomas Partey, offering him a salary package worth 10 million euros a year net. Uh, Al Khaleej want a loan to buy, so they'll be um, hoping to take him on uh, with that obligation to buy him a little bit later on. Um, I don't think that suits Arsenal. You know, if we can get some money in for Thomas Partey, which helps us in acquiring our targets this summer, then then do it. I still don't think he should leave. I still don't think Granit Xhaka should leave. My mind has not changed on that. But it doesn't look like we've got a lot of sort of hope right now of keeping hold of those two players, which means that it's even more important we get Declan Rice and then important that we go out and strengthen um, in another midfield position as well. I think that's really, really key. Um, also, I forgot to mention it when I talked about Kai Havertz. 29 shirt for Kai Havertz. He's always kind of been his number. Um, I don't see that being a problem. I don't see that clashing with anyone. Um, so, yeah, that should be absolutely fine. OK, um, let's take then some of your thoughts and questions from the live chat. Start sticking them in. Uh, use a queue at the beginning of the questions if you can. It just makes it easier for me to pick them out. Make sure uh, that you are liking the video and subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. Let's take a very, very brief pause and then we're going to do some of your questions. Right. What have we got in ye old chat box? Hmm. Shall we take this one from Lee Bowley? Harry, could we ditch the Rice deal and put that money towards Caicedo, Lavia and Zubimendi and one possible other? Is Rice a must? We do all the legwork for other clubs to gazump us. What I would question is, if someone can come in and and get Declan Rice now, because look, West Ham could... West Ham could accept an offer from Manchester City and then Declan Rice could say no I don't want that move sorry not the move I want which would basically kill um you know their chances of getting him that that could happen if if our legwork if our legwork has been done well enough then we should be in that kind of position um I mean, is he a must? I think he he is a must for Arsenal. I I said this the other day. I think there are other midfielders out there, obviously. And that I feel like we've been blinded by the Declan Rice thing to the point where we just don't want anyone else. And the same with Moises Caicedo. It was Rice, Caicedo, or both over the course of the last couple of months. And now nobody wants to be in a position where we don't end up with one of, at the very least, their players. Uh, Those players, I beg your pardon. But you know, Caicedo, I'd love that would be a great pivot if we need to. Um, Lavia, I don't quite think he's ready just yet. Like he wouldn't come in and he wouldn't come in and fill the boots of of Thomas Partey, for example, straight away. I, th- I I still think he needs to develop. Zubimendi, I quite like, but is it going to be easy to get him away from Real Sociedad given his connection to that football club? Made it very clear before, hasn't he, that he's happy where he is uh at the moment uh so yeah uh right what else we got what else we got um the mirror uh have put something out just now while we're live but again you know is this really an update i I don't think it is and this is the crazy thing about this time of year everybody's jumping on it everybody wants the clicks the mirror have just put a piece out john cross a part of this, and the basic takeaway from it is Arsenal are ready to submit their third bid for Declan Rice and will be forced to eclipse the 100 million pound mark for the 24 year old. With the potential departure of Thomas Partey, Arsenal will bid 40 million to sign Romeo Lavia as well. So, apparently, the third bid is ready for Declan Rice or, or is getting to that point. We're gonna surpass the 100 million pounds mark and we're gonna make a 40 million pound bid to sign Romeo Lavia. We, we thought that Arsenal were going to make a move for Romeo Lavia, maybe a little bit later down the line. So that's not really new information. And the thing about the third bid, well, I think we're all expecting that third bid to come. So again, this is the thing, right? They've, they've got us on strings. The media right now have literally got us on strings to the point where any little thing comes out and we're overanalyzing it to try and find one word Or one turn of phrase that gives us a different perspective or a different angle. It is honestly mental. It really, really is. Uh, Let's go back to the questions anyway. Sorry, I was notified of that piece dropping while I was answering the last question, which was why I may have seemed just a little bit distracted uh, there. Uh, Zed Tom says, "Uh, hi, Harry. Do you think Arsenal could financially afford a most of the fee now slash the rest next summer deal? If Arteta and Edu asked the Cronkies and said rice um, is a must. I, I, the truth is, I don't know, because, you know, we don't know what that relationship is really like between Edu and uh, and the ownership. Look, you can spend what you can spend. You know, that's that's the way it goes. You, you can stretch yourself a little bit from time to time. You can take on debt from time to time. But I always think you've got to be responsible in in sort of the way you go about stretching yourself because it can leave you with egg on your face and it can put you in a position where you're swimming against the tide later on. Edu has got a lot of stick, you know, and and I think if Arsenal do get this deal done, I think it'll be hilarious. And the best thing about it will be that while we were all losing our shit yesterday on social media, Edu was sitting there having a couple of pints. Incredible. Incredible stuff. <laughs> I don't know if anybody saw those pictures going around on Instagram. I think it was from his wife's account of them sitting there and he was tagged and they just had a nice cold beer. Um, but look, Arsenal can only spend what they can spend. And that is the reality of it. Whenever I say that, I get, you know, oh, you're, you're on the club's payroll. You're this, you're that, Arsenal PR. You wouldn't believe how many people commented on that talk sport piece I did yesterday uh, saying, here he is, Arsenal's PR merchant, as if I'm not allowed to say um, what I think about the situation. It, it, it's, it's mad. Honestly, it's mad. Um, but uh, I, the thing I was going to say there before I kind of went on a bit of a tangent about Edu and his beers and his barbecues was that Edu can only work with the finance that is signed off by those above him. Like, it's not... Like Edu is the one saying, nope, I'm not, I'm going to pay it in this way. Like Edu will be told, this is how much we can pay up front. And you need to negotiate some kind of deal with the finance people too. That allows us to pay the rest over the course of the next three years or whatever. Edu is not the one that sets the financial constraints. He is just the one that needs to work within them. And I don't really understand why so many people have, um, have, uh, you know, have uh, sort of wanted to criticise him and and really sort of dig into him because of the fact that this isn't done just yet. But I don't know. Anyway, uh, let's take a few more of your questions and your thoughts from the live chat box. Remember, if you haven't done so already, please leave a like on the video. Uh, we should have what well, at least three hundred likes on the board, given how many are watching us live right now. Uh, please do it; doesn't cost a thing. Really, really helps. Uh, check out the Another Slice platform too, uh, where you can find our memberships. Um, Last piece of content was the Kai Havertz. Uh, where will he fit in at Arsenal? Sort of breakdown piece. We've got uh, one as well that is currently uploading. Um, I've Well, it's exporting. So then I'll be able to upload it, uh, which is around Yuri and Timber as well. I think I'll release it first thing in the morning, though. Um, I think um, it just works better when you release things in the morning, I guess, uh, rather than sort of late into the night. But that one is coming as well. I've done a little sit down a little chat about urian Timber and, and what he'd be coming in to do and what we'd expect of him coming in. If indeed Arsenal can get uh, that deal done. Uh, Lynn Simpson says out of the two, who would you go for Milinkovic, Savage or Lavia? Given that they're the same price and one has no experience and one has plenty. I've got to say, I've been a big fan of Sergei Milinkovic Savage for a long, long time. Being into Italian football, I've appreciated him for a long, long time. I'm not saying I don't want him, but I I will say that I think his star has fallen a little bit in the last year or so. Um, And that makes me less eager to sort of want to explore that option now. If you just said it, I don't know, two seasons ago, I'd, I'd be looking at this very, very differently. Right now, though, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure uh, that this is something I would, I'd be looking to do. Uh, Lavia doesn't have the experience. You'd be buying for me someone for the future. Can we afford to do that again, particularly given we're likely to lose uh, some real um, sort of experienced midfield players in Jaka and Partey? Gary Griffin says, are we being hampered by spending big without CL football? Is FFP dictating how our deals are structured? And how is it some teams can spend with impunity while AFC, West Ham and Newcastle United are being squeezed? I'm not going to say the other part. Yeah, look, this is the bit that people always miss. And this is the bit that drives me insane because I feel like it's not that people don't know this. It's that people almost want to just pretend that it's not a problem. And, you know, for a little while, I've said that we're going to have to scale back the spending. In order to balance things for FFP, because as you rightly point out, Gary, we've been spending big money without generating the revenue that you need to kind of to spend that money. You know, that's and and be within the constraints of financial fair play. That is clear for everybody to see. You know, Europa League one season without Europe, the money was not coming in. It's as simple as that. Yet we were still spending it. Arsenal want to continue to build the squad and want to continue to develop the team and push on etc etc but recognize that to do that they're going to have to find ways of doing these deals that just allow them to manipulate the books in the right way maybe manipulate is the wrong word but you know what I'm trying to say just to make it work from a, a sort of not just a financial fair play perspective because we all know that's a bit of a joke and if you've got a good enough Uh, lawyer and and a good enough accountant you can normally dance your way around that stuff but it isn't just about that it's about the fact that Arsenal as a football club probably don't have as much cash available in terms of what they're allocated to spend on transfers as maybe some people would like to believe yeah they can do high value deals but the structure of those deals has to work for the football club and Arsenal have always operated in that way. Nothing has changed. It, it's, we've never been a Roman Abramovich slash sugar daddy club where our manager asks for a player or in the latter stages of Abramovich's career, he decides that he wants a player and goes, oh, yeah, it, it's okay. I'll just I'll just sign the check and we'll do it. And then we'll worry about how we're going to dress it up later. Um Jay Sayers says, Oh, come on, Harry. Not one single person has said Arsenal are in financial crisis or anything. It's only now when we lose targets that people say, it. Where did I say that Arsenal were in financial crisis? Let me know. Let me know where I said that Arsenal were in financial crisis. Arsenal are not in financial crisis. They're a wealthy football club, but they have their limits. They work within a certain model. And that means that susp- that, that spending, 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 without champions league football being in the europa league and on one of the recent seasons not even being in europe does not it simply does not mean that you know it, sorry let, let me rephrase that because i lost my trailer thought there not being in in the champions league and not even being in europe in one of those seasons meant that the revenue that arsenal were getting in was, was low in comparison to when they're in the Champions League. You look at the prize money that Arsenal picked up this summer for finishing second and compare that to what you get when you finish eighth. Remember that we finished eighth twice in consecutive seasons. So in those two seasons, we also brought in significantly less revenue. But you'd never have thought that based on what Arsenal went out and spent in the transfer market which suggests that Arsenal found ways of spending more than their means at that period of time. But somewhere along the line, that line has to balance out and has to even out. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying we're broke. I'm not saying we're skint. I'm not saying KSC are on their knees. I'm not saying Stan has to go and beg his wife for a few extra million quid from her Walmart empire or anything like that. I'm not saying any of those things. I am simply saying That at some point where the spend was going like this on an upward trajectory, up, up, it was like a graph. At some point, the line has to become flat again because that is the way Arsenal Football Club operate and have always operated under KSE. Do people think they had a a, a sort of brain transplant over the, the summer? Of course they haven't. They're successful business people because they know when they can spend and they know when they can't. And they know that if they can find ways of doing deals, that work with their financial model. That is the most effective way to push forward and to push forward quickly, and that is what they are trying to do. That's why you're hearing about structured payments, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and all the rest of it. Um, Jay Sayer says, "But we are going to sell people this window, okay? But who have we sold so far? Because the money's not there." It's all good saying we're going to sell people. What if we can't sell them? What if we don't get anywhere near the fees that we thought we're going to get? I've always said this as well throughout this summer so far that I think people are massively overestimating what we're going to get in in terms of player sales. Got to be mindful of these things. You you can't just let everybody go, you know, and and expect that, or, or you can't, again, let me rephrase that. You can't just cast players aside, think that you're going to get crazy value for them and and base your transfer strategy moving forward on that because as we've seen over the last few years it doesn't always work out like that and often you'll be left with egg on your face a bunch of players that are overpaid underperforming stuck on your books and you can't move them on we've been there done that we've got the t-shirt we don't need to do that again mm says if we can't finance deals like this then arteta might leave in the future he might well leave because. The problem is, and it's not just an Arsenal problem, it's a wider footballing problem. The game has gone absolutely bonkers. It has gone mad. You are now competing with states. You are now competing with countries, with nations. How are you supposed to compete with that? And there will come a point where Mikel Arteta might feel that if I really want to go and win the biggest honours in the game, the way that the game has gone and the way that the landscape now looks, I could only do that at a super club. If You want to call them a super club, a club with wealthy ownership, much wealthier than KSE because the Qataris are wealthier than KSE. Uh, The Saudi investment fund is is wealthier than KSE. That's the level of of wealth you're talking about. You know, KSE could be very wealthy in terms of their assets and what they have, but you can't always just um, break those assets up and turn them into liquid cash for transfers. And that's that's. Another reality that I think is lost on people. AJ Envoy says, I just think we have to face it. The footballing world has gone mad. But that being said, Arsenal are no longer among the elite, the very elite super clubs. We all know this deep down. Not in terms of spend. No, we're not. And we know that. We know that in terms of spend, in terms of financial muscle. We're not that. We have the fan base. We have the facilities. We have the history. We have all of that stuff. But we do not have the ability to just outlay vast crazy amounts of money nor do we find ways of washing that money through our football club to make it look like sponsorships etc etc not mentioning any particular clubs that's the point I'm trying to make is that we do have our limits and um and and people need not forget those limits. And, and I don't understand why people do forget that or why people get carried away. If you got carried away and thought that Arsenal were going to slap £100 million down on the table in upfront money for Declan Rice, and then they were going to go and spend... There was people telling me that we were going to spend three, upwards of £300 million in one go this summer. How are we going to do that? Maybe we could do it if we actually outlaid 150 with the rest of it to come in future payments. That's doable. That's achievable. It was never achievable... To expect Arsenal or or realistic to expect Arsenal to go bang, let's just put 300 million pound on the table. So rather than sitting there moaning about it and jumping on Twitter and tweeting about it, actually think about where your head was at when you came up with that conclusion, because it's just completely unrealistic anyway um let's uh, let's move on from that point what else we got in terms of questions thoughts get them in the live chat box and again if i could just ask please do leave a like on the video it really 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 does help uh, we've got loads of you watching live right now but we've only got uh what less than 200 likes on the board come on let's get that uh, up to the 300 mark um asap um What else we got? What else we've got? Um, Alex Asib says, I don't think we necessarily have to spend insane amounts of money. We've had many players come for relatively low fees and have improved tremendously. Let's keep that going. Yeah, and and that's right. And that's what Arsenal have done throughout the majority of this rebuild. They've spent big amounts of money because they're a big football club, but not the type of money that really makes you raise an eyebrow on any one individual. Not since the Nicolas Pepe deal and, and the less said about that, the better but there will come a point alex where if you want to compete with the likes of manchester city you do have to break the bank and you do have to go into those sort of head to head collisions with some of these state owned clubs and all the rest of it in order to fight for the best players and that means pushing yourself that means going that extra mile that means stretching yourselves financially and unfortunately we can't do it in the same way you know we we, we won't be able to do it in the same way that city do it because we don't have the wealth As a football club, and I I get annoyed when people say KSE, KSE do, KSE do. No, KSE don't operate Arsenal Football Club like that. Never have and probably never will. So stop expecting that. We are not able to go and put that £75 million down on the table that West Ham want up front, we think. We're not even capable of putting half of that down, I'd imagine, at this moment in time, in the way that Manchester City have indicated or or that the reports indicate Manchester City would be able to do. And that's why we're in danger of losing this thing. But look, at the time of recording, no news on this. We don't know what's going on with it. We haven't had an update as of yet today, which has been frustrating for a lot of reasons. And I think, again, has contributed to the sort of reaction to this and and the way people are feeling. But we just got to sit tight at the moment and and see how it goes. But anyway, guys, um, I think I'm going to leave it there. Uh, and we will catch up uh, a little bit later on in fact tomorrow morning probably um, depending on, on when the news breaks if what and maybe and all the rest of it um, we'll keep an eye on the news of course and we'll try be as quick to react to anything that does come out as possible uh, Yuri and Timber video uh, podcast for members will be out in the morning uh, so make sure you check that out um, I'm off to a christening in the afternoon, so I will be a little bit radio silent for a while, but I'll have my phone with me and I'll be reacting on Twitter to anything that breaks. And then, I mean, it's a good excuse to get away nice and early and come back and do a podcast, I guess. Work is work, eh? Uh, but yeah, look, I'll speak to you guys all tomorrow. Enjoy your Friday evening. Put your phones to one side, ignore Twitter for the evening. And let's, uh, let's hope we wake up to a positive update. I'll catch you all very soon until next time. Goodbye. Thank you.